Hello and welcome back to another episode of From the Commentary Box. I am so excited to introduce today another one of my lovely guests, which is Fontaine Wright. Now, Fontaine is a former Team GB badminton player. She bagged number one in England and she started playing when she was just 12 years old. How are you doing, Fontaine? Hello, I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for joining us. So let's start at the very beginning. It's always the best place to start. <laughs> Paint me a picture of what Little Fontaine was like and how badminton came into your life. Oh, wow. It feels like a long time ago. <laughs> that does now. Um, so I guess I was, yeah, a ball of energy. Um, I had far too much energy probably for my mum to manage um so she did just throw me into all kinds of sports um I did swimming I did triathlons um athletics trampolining gymnastics like you name it I've probably given it a go um but when I was about what was it like six years old um having short tennis lessons down at our local leisure center um and my granddad was like come on let's just you know go and play a bit of badminton and have a knock around and I just took to it like uh, you know a duck out of water it was just my hand-eye coordination was there and I think they probably knew it was there because of like me playing short tennis and for those that don't know when you play short tennis it's either on like the smaller version of a tennis court or they used to lower the badminton nets and you just play like on a badminton court basically so yeah so my granddad would just put the net back up and I'd just give the badminton racket a swing um and yeah and I just yeah I just loved it um and it was just something that I played all the way through like my kind of younger teenage years as well and then it wasn't until um I got scouted when I was like 12 yeah, about 12 years old, 11, 12 years old by the England team. Um, and they asked me to go and do some trials. I'd already played for Warwickshire County um, at nine years old. Um, my sister was playing badminton as well, and she's three years older. So they was at, we were at a county match, and I'm just like running around like a lunatic. Um, she's trying to play badminton. And yeah, some they needed somebody to stand in because, you know, another child was ill or something. Um, and I filled in. So like at nine years old, I was playing for Warwickshire County and then 12, 11, 12 years old. Um, I got scouted by an England talent scout and kind of, I guess that was then the start of it. Um, I continued to play lots of different sports up until I was about 15 Um but then that, that's when I made the decision that actually badminton was the sport that I wanted to focus on and, and really kind of be the best I could be basically at it. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a contention for you saying you were doing a few other sports? What were the other sports that were in contention? Yeah, so athletics was one. Um, I was more of a sprinter than anything else. Long, anything longer than 200 metres, I was like, no, it's not for me. Um, my my mum and my granddad have both ran marathons. And I think they probably would have loved for me to be a marathon runner. But I was just, my body <laughs> shape is not for my, I'm a sprinter all the way. <laughs> I get explosive power, that's me. So yeah, so athletics was one. Um, I would have loved to have been like a dancer or a gymnast, but I grew a ridiculous amount when I was kind of coming through puberty so you know when you like you suddenly come back from school and I was like head and shoulders and the rest taller than everybody else so it was a little bit like yep 
gymnastics probably isn't for me or dancing um but yeah and I was a really good swimmer I swam for Coventry um I'm hypermobile joints I was a butterfly I did butterfly and front crawl so swimming and athletics were the ones but I just I don't know what it was well I do know what it was I just love badminton <laughs> um, but yeah I think just the variety that the sport gave me um and just the yeah I guess the challenges that that I faced every time I stepped on court it was never the same um whereas swimming and just running kind of half round a bend on a track yeah it it was you know there's not that much variety in it how hard was that decision for you because I remember when I was making my decision between I was doing hockey really full on and I was also kind of breaking into kind of the British champ side of rowing and it was like I was juggling it for a long time and for a 14 15 year old to be juggling you know like in your case a lot of sports how hard was that decision was it like badminton just nipped it in the bud or was it like badminton was way ahead of the rest um do you know what that I've never been asked that question before um but I think I think badminton was probably way above the rest but also my sister made my sister wanted to play badminton and I just wanted to copy her <laughs> so that was kind of part of it I think if she'd have picked swimming maybe I would have picked swimming as well but maybe mm. not um but yeah, I think a lot of it was probably just to do with the fact that my big sister's doing it, so I want to do it as well. Um, but yeah, and I also remember her getting a badminton racket for Christmas once and I didn't get one and I was gutted. Like, do you know when you just get that sibling like, why didn't I get one? <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think, yeah, badminton probably was always, you know, the standout one for me. I'm literally exactly the same with my older sister like I'm the baby in the family too and it was like for the, for us it was clothing though I was yeah. like she got that like, I didn't get that everything she wore I wanted to wear it was like when I was younger I didn't have a closet like I just stole all of her so, money saved um, already yeah, wow exactly reduce reuse recycle <laughs> um, so you were obviously always sporty as a kid who was your kind of sporting hero growing up um so I don't think I don't ever really remember having like one sporting like superstar until I really decided that actually badminton was for me um my granddad was always um like my hero and he still is like I think he could run marathons he was a mechanic so we could fix everything um he could go on the bike he, like we went swimming with him so he literally could do everything so in my eyes he was like my probably my sporting hero and he coached me from you know from like 9 10 11 years old when I was properly playing badminton and, and learning how to you know really learn the skill of playing um up until I was 17 18 and um, so when he'd pick me up after school we'd go and play badminton and and so yeah he would watch all the videos so I think he was probably my sporting hero and then when I decided actually like badminton was for me um I had a uh I guess a, a badminton hero um but then outside of the sport I also then Jessica Ennis was like just she'd gone through injuries I'd gone through injuries and um, she'd also she used to go to the fit same physio with me in Leeds when I used to live in Leeds so I kind of I looked to her as well as actually 
somebody like wow if she can be that injured as well and come back and be uh, Jessica Ennis as we know as she is now um but even back then she was still incredible um I think I took true like real inspiration from her I'm sure your mum and your cousins and you said your sister played but I'm sure your granddad was on the sidelines a lot <laughs> yeah what do you think would have been his like proudest memory um oh I don't know actually um <laughs> that's a hard one so he I mean if you'd ask it if you ask him today he would probably just oh I don't know actually he would probably say me winning the national championships um because that came after lots of injuries lots of setbacks financial difficulties I had to basically prove a lot of people wrong in that national championships and it was my third time being in the finals um but equally you know playing in they came to my first world championships and my whole family came and my first nephew came he was like six weeks old or something and my sister flew out with him um so yeah so I think playing in my first world championships was was a huge one as well so I don't know if he'd be able to pick just one um because he's he's been there through it all but um yeah I would probably say nationals just because it's yeah it was the icing on top of the cake of after a, a tough few years well you spoke a little bit there about like injuries and I think as well one thing that I realized over the Commonwealth Games and I know you did the Commonwealth Games as well was yeah. how many athletes and professional athletes like have to have a full-time job to like support the side of them and how so so many athletes will have like a full-time nine till five that some of them might not even enjoy but because training is around the nine till five they have to do that instead of shift work whereas it can be really really hard for for pro athletes that are in kind of underrepresented sports so can you talk a little bit about kind of the difficulties of that side of things yeah definitely I think um for me my sporting career I knew that I would not I wouldn't necessarily be a rich athlete because you know I didn't start off rich and I don't come from a lot of money um so I had to find sponsorship um when I injured my knee at 18 years old I then lost my funding you know a year later after leaving home and moving to a whole new city um and then it was like right well how do I do this so I went to university um I was young enough to still be able to study um I got a scholarship then once I finished my three-year degree I still wasn't on um I still wasn't funded so I kind of left the the national team at 19 and then I didn't rejoin it until I was 23 22 23 um so that whole time I was at university I was working um so I would coach um I had a part-time job uh I had to find my own sponsors to be able to fund my travel my you know my insurance my physio like all of it I had to find it all myself um and being on funded so being a you know a a UK sport funded athlete part of team G team England you don't realize how easy you get when you have everything there and paid for and you don't have to worry about you know how much is my travel insurance how much is like shuttles going to cost and and you know my travel to and from training is like I have to pay for it I can't reimburse UK sport for that Mm. um so I've been on both ends of it and 
I know the difficulties of, of you know, being in an underrepresented and just basically a sport that people think you just play in the garden. <laughs> um, being on both sides, I know how comfortable it can feel and how hard and difficult it can feel. And when you go through injuries, like I had three, four injuries, like off the back and quite severe injuries as well, trying to work my way through that whilst training, whilst studying, doing a degree and a master's degree. It's hard, but I think we're as sports people, we are a little bit crazy. (laughs) I think we have to be to put our bodies through what we go through and to do all the sacrifices that we do, but it's because we love it. And it's because we've got that passion. Um, And we have a goal that we want to achieve. And I think those of us that are um, quite focused and put the blinkers on, we, you know, we do really go for it. So yeah, it's hard. Like, I'm not going to lie, getting up at like five o'clock in the morning to go training, uh, you know, like seven o'clock and to then get home and then have to go out coaching or work or study. It is it is hard. And sometimes I think, how on earth did I even do that um, for so many years? But you do because it's what you love and it's, you know, you've just got that end goal pushing you every single day to get up and just crack on. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say was your hardest day in the sport? Oh, I've had a couple, you know. <laughs> um, finding out that um, that I had a, I had to go into knee surgery and have reconstructive surgery on my knee, um, and waking up knowing that in just complete agony, knowing that I'd got two screws and um, a plate put in my knee, and they weren't sure if I'd ever reached the the same international level that I was at before that was a real struggle because I just didn't know when I was going to get through it and then having a prolapse disc in my back and just being in constant pain not knowing if the pain was ever going to end um for like three four months leading up to six months and thinking my god am I even going to be able to play badminton again they were some really tough days and then probably the the most recent one would have been um finding out that I didn't get selected for the Commonwealth Games um in in Australia and then deciding off the back of that to retire that was that like it felt like it was completely just like tear tore me down um and you you know you lose your identity then like I just totally lost myself Um, and that was really hard but yeah I guess every athlete will go through that unfortunately goes through that at some stage if you're lucky to escape being injured like some of the losses are really hard um but actually those those three were probably the toughest days that I went through yeah absolutely and I can't I can't even begin to imagine like how hard that must have been especially with the Commonwealth Games and yeah. I think there's such a such an idea around, especially with like Messi recently, that, you know, athletes climb and climb and climb and climb and then they peak and then they go out on top. And it's like, actually, there's thousands and thousands of athletes who like they don't they don't get that necessarily, you know, and yeah. being a professional athlete is such a kind of lumps and, and bumps along the road. Can you put into words how much sacrifice it takes to be? A professional athlete um 
can I put it in the words? I can try. <laughs> um, it's a lot, you know. I think people see, like you said, especially when you look at famous professional athletes that you just see the glory. Um, and you maybe might see, you know, for footballers, you might see the injuries that they might get on, on the pitch or for like boxers, you might see them lose their heavyweight title or whatever. But for the athletes that are just putting in the grind, um, that don't get the recognition, like, you know, I'm not a tennis player, for example, like Johanna Conta, she was the best that, you know, Britain had, but you would net like you would never know that I was the best that England had as a badminton player and the sacrifice that I've gone through to have got to that point um nobody well not nobody knows about it but very little very few people will will know and understand and they can go on you know social media and my LinkedIn and see oh wow she was number one in England and she got to the top 50 in the world and she got to travel the world like what an amazing career but actually the steps to get to that point to put that highlight on my you know on my bio is is a lot and it it took um I guess it took a lot out of my body, but it also took took a lot mentally out of me. Um, and a lot of it you don't realise until you leave the sport or until you retire um, or until you get a setback. And then you kind of have to put things in perspective and you have to reflect and look back on, you know, what has led you to this point. And, you know, a lot of injuries, like my body just didn't want to do it. <laughs> and I was like, why is my body failing me? Like, why won't... Why can't I achieve what I want to achieve and what I know that I can achieve? Um, and then when that kind of all fixed itself and I was at, you know, the peak in my sport, it was like, well, I then lost funding again. And UK Sport pulled all of their funding from badminton. And then for the second time, I lost my sport. And you think, why is this happening again? Um, and the mental toll that that takes on you to kind of think, OK, well, do I keep going? Do I keep pursuing this you know, dream and this passion that I think that I have. Um, and it's not just me either that it took a toll on it. Like, you know, it, my husband gave up a lot. Well, he wasn't even my husband at the time, but, um, you know, like he was a professional badminton player as well at one point. And for him to then still support me whilst he's also trying to figure his life out was a lot. You've got, you know, parents and siblings and I miss birthdays and weddings and, you know, you miss so much. But it's, it is worth it. <laughs> and it was worth it. Um, my body probably wouldn't say it is. But it, yeah, it, it is worth it. It's just the sacrifices that you do have to make to get there. Not everybody can make them. And that's why not everybody that goes into sport will come out with the medals saying that they've been professional for, you know, a decade or more. Um, so yeah, so I do, I do also take pride in the fact that I'm a bit stubborn and I just stuck with it. <laughs> if you got the chance to do it all again, would you? Oh yeah, 100 <laughs> percent Yeah. Um, I do a bit of badminton coaching now. And uh when I go like being at the Commonwealth Games and being the host and presenter there and just being amongst it, like, oh, just that feeling, like. I that's the bit that's the thing that I miss the most um is just that like euphoria that you get when you step onto court when you win when the crowd are cheering and I guess that's probably why you know like yourself as well we go into roles like this where you kind of you get that little slice of of that buzz of that uncertainty of what's going to potentially happen but 
you know, you know, if you step up to the plate, it will go well. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I would 100% do it all again. There might be a few things that slightly change, but <laughs> I would do it again. <laughs> what would you do different? Um, I would listen to my body more. Um, I think the injury, some of the injuries that I've encountered and some of the setbacks that I went through was just simply because I just kept pushing through and I thought, no, if I keep going, I'll get stronger when actually it just broke me. And, you know, maybe with some of it, like my last knee injury that I got, I should have just rested. Um, But Commonwealth Games was on the line, the World Championships was coming up and I wanted to be the best that I could be. So I just pushed through and it I shouldn't have. You've had to deal a lot with injury complications. Um, If there is a kind of up and coming athlete that's out there listening to this right now, just maybe missed out on a really big kind of championship selection um, because of injury. Yeah. What's your advice to them with bouncing back? Um, my advice would be, and it's this is really cheesy, but don't give up. Um, if I'd have given up with the first with my knee injury, with tearing my ACL and having to get um, reconstruct surgery I wouldn't have achieved what I achieved if I'd have given up after I fractured my foot I wouldn't have achieved what I'd achieved if I'd have given up after I prolapsed my disc I wouldn't have achieved this and I think there is always something that you can do I, I did so much video analysis when I wasn't able to physically go on court um, I would go to training and just and as much as it would hurt me I would just watch them train and I would just immerse myself in the sport so yeah so there's always something that you can do even if you're injured um and I think if you've got the mental capacity and you've got the financial capacity because that's that's a big one if you're if those things are in place for you to be able to continue and not give up then yeah don't give up just keep going um because yeah I am testament to show that actually if you do like you can have a pretty good good career out of it I do have to touch on something that you said earlier and that was I think it's the world championships you mentioned that you're in the finals three times the um, national championships what was going through your mind after the second national championship final when I lost (laughs) um how did I lose that? Um, and I'm never going to let this happen again. They were they were the two things. And I'd had a whole weekend of playing badminton. And Monday morning, I got up and I went to training. And everyone was like, what are you doing here? Like, have a day off. And I was like, no, because the hurt of me losing in that final is like, it's it's too much. I wanted to right those wrongs straight away. Um so yeah, the second time I lost, I'd just been selected to play for England as well as a senior. So to to kind of go into <laughs> a national championships with the expectation of Fontaine should win this nationals. Um, it was a lot. It was hard, but I knew that I could do it. And then when I lost, I was like, I can't believe I just lost that. And it wasn't because... Um, I played well and I lost. I played badly and I only just lost, but I didn't play to the best of my abilities. And that was because I let the pressure get to me. I let mistakes get to me. I let, you know, her, um, the girl that I was playing, I let sort of, I guess, her get on top of me when I shouldn't have done. And when I, 
knew that I could beat her and I didn't lose to her after that I didn't lose to her <laughs> but yeah I just I thought I can't believe I've lost that and I wanted to get back on court and do it again um, and I was gutted so then I thought right this is never gonna ha- like next year this is not happening um I'm not gonna lose <laughs> and from that that literally that next day in training yeah uh, it was all geared towards me winning the next nationals as far as going into that next nationals what was the kind of standout emotion were you nervous or were you overwhelmed or were you like more Um, focused than you ever have been can you remember yeah a mixture of emotions I always got nervous before I played um always like even if I've played a university match and it was like I knew that I would win you know with one hand tied behind my back I always got nervous so I learned how to manage those nerves by the time I got to that point um but I decided I was going to do one game at a time and the first match I didn't even like think about like getting to the finals I just thought right first round who am I playing what have I got to do what are my tactics let's get the job done um and I did I was on court for like 10 minutes I think (laughs) and like literally on and off um and yeah I just approached it in a really I guess level-headed mindset the overwhelm was there at times especially going into the semis because I was playing a young badminton player that she's is she now number one I think um yeah she, like I knew that it was going to be tough but I thought you know I know what my strengths are I know what my tactics are I'm just going to focus on that and I'll deal with if I need to change it when it comes I'm not going to worry about any other outcome but, but then also visualization I visualized myself winning every single match so I knew I like I loved my outfits my badminton outfit so I knew what I was going to wear um and I like I'd been into the hall so I knew what court I was going to be playing on and I would quite literally visualize myself in my outfit <laughs> in whatever dress or skirt combo I was going to wear um playing that game and winning yeah I guess the waves of emotion it doesn't mm. they don't stop they they come in you just learn how to control them and learn how to work with them yeah absolutely did you meet the same girl in the final no (laughs) No. oh that would have been exciting wouldn't it I know so she actually I think she retired just uh, like maybe six months after she won the nationals um but no I played who um a girl now Chloe Birch I played her in the final and she's now a doubles player um she plays a little bit singles still but she's she's one of our best doubles players as far as taking away from the sport what's a strength that you've taken away that you're grateful to badminton for and what's something that badminton's installed in you that you'd consider like more of a weakness I would say what I've taken away is the resilience like that was instilled in me through you know I think part of it is just who I am but equally the sport really like forced me to have that in a dialogue with myself of you can do this even if other people are saying you can't like I can and I will <laughs> um and then one thing that I wish badminton hadn't insulted me um probably the desire to want to get everything right um and to get and and to get that outside praise um I think a lot of athletes will feel will probably feel this in whether you consciously know it or not we're not always even if our results speak for themselves we might not always go in the direction we want to um 
you know, for me, I didn't get selected for the Commonwealth Games because somebody decided that somebody else deserved that opportunity. Um, and that's really hard to take when you're the best that you can be and they're still saying that's not enough. That is really hard. And that, I guess, desire and, and want and need to get that approval from other people. I still have that now. Were you England number one at yeah. that time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know what was going through their mind? Like, why? Um, yeah, so I wasn't funded. So I, was, I, was, I wasn't part of the England team at the time. Um, because we'd lost our funding, I was 28. So class as a singles player, classed as kind of old and on my way out. Um, the girl that they wanted to take, she is now a doubles player. Um, and they wanted to, she was basically a win for the team because she could play singles and she could play doubles if they needed her to. Um, they said that I wouldn't have won a medal. I mean, they don't know that, but that's what they thought. Um, so actually, if I wasn't going to win them a medal, then let's just take the person that can then play can play doubles and singles. Yeah, so it, it is hard. I think now I can see it from a business point of view that that's what they decided to take because you know you have to they have to justify you know all their selections, but it doesn't make it any easier <laughs> and it's still really hard to to even now and even working at the Commonwealth it was really hard because you kind of like I would have loved to experience that not only team feeling but just that I'm playing in the Commonwealth Games for my country um that was something that I always wanted to do um same with the Olympics you know Olympics is slightly harder because there's there's a whole qualification period and the Scottish girl that that went instead of me she's like incredible um and you know even if I hadn't got injured I might not have even been good enough to have taken her out mm -hmm. um so Olympics is another story but Commonwealth I knew that I was good enough to go um so yeah it's it's hard yeah absolutely and I think as well in the last couple of months about um the British gymnastics um yeah. and a lot of people think that when you're a singles player that it's all down to you and it's yeah. it's you 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 whereas actually when someone else is kind of a puppet to the game yeah. it can be really difficult to take yeah. and did you kind of experience that yeah <laughs> unfortunately throughout my whole career um like I've had I could probably reel off multiple times that I've I've just missed out on being selected for like junior Commonwealth Games, for example, because they thought actually this other player that I'd never lost to was they wanted to give her the experience because she was younger. And, and you know, multiple times that, you know, you just don't get that selection because your face doesn't fit or because on paper somewhere someone's written down oh but we want this criteria and she's not met that one thing and that one thing means that you don't get to go um and even in you know for you 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 probably would have experienced it with massive team sports you know I've, uh my cousin is married to a rugby player and he misses out on getting a team selection or even being put on the bench and it's hard like and this is in a big massive team and when you're part of a team 
it's unfortunately not always down to you. Um, it was one reason why I loved playing singles because it was down to me. Um, but when you know when you're going, when you're a professional athlete, there, you, there are other people that make these decisions as well. And I know if I go on court and I lose, it's because of either what I've done or because my opponent is just better than me. So yeah, it is. I've, I've yeah, countless times experienced it, and I think that's why, like. I know that mindset for upcoming athletes is so important. Like you've got to have, like you've got to trust in yourself because if you don't, the first time you get that disappointment, that setback, that knockback or that negative feedback from a coach, like it will just make you crumble. Um, So you've got to be strong enough to deal with it. What's an example of one of the criteria that you didn't meet? Um, One of them would be like future potential. And that would always be the one that they'd be like, oh, we're just not sure about Fontaine's potential. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I've just ticked all of your performance um, boxes. But if the if you don't think the potential's there, but they think the potential is there more in somebody else, that was usually the case. It wasn't always that I didn't have the potential. It was more, they think somebody else has more potential. Um but that just fueled the fire in me. That's so frustrating, though, because what, <laughs> yeah. how is potential measurable? I know. <laughs> it's so subjective, isn't it? Um, and, yeah, I think that I had one of our head coaches, um, when I was at university studying, he actually said to me, you know, you're, you're not a fully professional athlete because you're still at university and I said no I'm probably more professional than your full-time badminton players because I get up I train I go to lectures I train I do my university work I write I've written a dissertation I've competed for England I've trained so actually I'm probably more professional than your athletes (laughs) you've got a full-time and I don't think he liked that (laughs) but I did actually gain his respect in the end um, because he realized that you know, everything that I was doing and I was there playing for England without being supported by the governing body. Um, And yeah, I kind of proved him wrong, which is really satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) We've spoken a little bit about the hardship, but can you describe to me the first time you put the the Team GB or the Team England kit on? Yeah. Um, So as a junior badminton player, you kind of, you're not desensitized to it but you're kind of you I got used to it when I'd been out of it because of injury and because of loss of funding to then go back in it and knowing that I'd made that transition all off my own back it wasn't because I'd been you know put on this pathway and they'd coached me to it like I'd done it on my own and representing England for the first time as a senior badminton player off my own back as number one it was just the best feeling. The memories that I've got of that tournament and just being those first few years back in Team England and with Team GB going out and, you know, playing, representing your your country. It's just, yeah, there isn't any other feeling like it. It's, it is incredible. Um, and it just makes all of the difficulties worth it. Amazing. This podcast is all about getting to kind of know the people behind you know, those sports that are kind of underrepresented in the media. Um, How would you describe badminton to someone who's never played it before? Oh, fast. Much harder than you think. (laughs) Um, um, 
it's hard it's difficult um if you went and watched a badminton like match or you know the the best in the world or the commonwealth games or whatever you would be so surprised at how exciting it is i think unfortunately badminton doesn't translate on tv um you know some sports just you you can't get the appreciation for it until you see it in real life um even like boxing for example like when i i went and watched aj at wembley oh my god like the size of him <laughs> and just like how fast his arms move like you can appreciate it because obviously we get to see it in slow-mo on tv and you can see how fast it is but when you see badminton in the flesh and how fast they are and how accurate like because sometimes you can't even see the shuttle like mm. I I think people really underestimate it um but it is it's exciting and um yeah I wish it was it was more appreciated and it was on TV more like badminton and squash I don't think I ever realized until the Commonwealth Games how quick they were yeah and it reminds me a little bit of you know on um we sports when you were younger <laughs> and like they're both up against the net and it's like <laughs> so what three things make a an amazing badminton player would you say you need the fitness you need the agility you need the strength you need the power explosiveness like you need it all skill like the lot so physical your physicality is really important and your mindset is huge because at the top everybody is physically just as strong as each other and fit and agile and skillful so if you can if you mentally have the edge over your opponent like you've already won basically um we always used to say at at county if you come up against yorkshire they think they can beat you even if they're like the worst player they think they'll beat you just as something about that northern grit <laughs> um, so yeah if you can harness that northern grit then um yeah mindset is everything and then I think just the passion and the love for it if you're going to be a badminton player it's not because you're going to make a load of money it's because you love the sport so yeah physicality mindset and I guess passion um is is what makes a top badminton player you grew up playing a little badminton with your sister and your cousin as well yeah big rivalry there um no <laughs> not really um so my, no my I was cousin, better so. yeah <laughs> no. no my sister she um yeah she just wasn't I, I want I don't want to say that she was lazy because she still trained hard um but she just wasn't into it as much as me <laughs> Um, and my cousin again she loved like she found university life and just yeah loved it and traveling so um yeah I was the the crazy one in the family that was like no this is what I'm gonna do <laughs> I can so relate to that I really hope my sister doesn't hate me for saying that but <laughs> so when we were at school I was like really sporty and I think she wanted to be sporty and all of her friends were kind of like the whole A team. and she came home one day and she was like oh dad like I don't know what to do my whole my whole friendship group is in their a hockey team this was at like primary school um and she was like I don't know what I want to do and then she was like oh I'll become the goalie the goalie doesn't have to do any running <laughs> and then she ended up going to like local county doing our like women's a team when she was like 13 and she became like a really hot goalkeeper nice. and but but she didn't yeah, want to do the running. A, she found a niche <laughs> 
Some might call it lazy. Ella, I'm not calling you lazy. Um, but no, definitely. Yeah, it's the Brilliant. same with badminton players. If they used to be a singles player as a junior and then they became a doubles player, we'd be like, yeah, it's because doubles is easy. That's why. There's two of you on court. <laughs> Less space to cover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you think badminton is a male-dominated sport? Yes, yes. Um, but at the same time, when you get to no, in fact, yeah, it yeah, it is. <laughs> I was gonna say when you get to the best, like the top level, there there are just as many good badminton players, but there isn't. If you ask somebody who's the best badminton player in the world or who's the greatest of all time they will list men before they get to a woman. Like they will list a, a whole handful of men before they get to a, a female badminton player with like, I'm sure of it. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Um, I think it, I think it is because the, the men that they would list, they have been at the top of the game for a long, long time. Um, I think for women, it is very different. We either want to, have children or you know we find other avenues to go down um or we get injured I think that is that plays a huge part um there's not I don't know off the top of my head I'd have to do some research but I don't know any badminton player that has gone off had a baby and then come back and been at the same level um no one's done a Serena Williams basically <laughs> um, <laughs> does Fontaine want to be the the Serena of badminton and make you know come back. Do you know <laughs> I actually had a few of my students say you could have won the nationals this year um or why don't you start training again and cut and make a comeback and I'm like I'm 33 years old like these people that are playing now are like 22 <laughs> at the most <laughs> I say do it I say go for it I don't think my body could take it I really don't childbirth messed my back up already <laughs> um, I don't think I already had a slip disc like. yeah, exactly <laughs> slip disc pelvic girdle pain I just don't think my body wants to do it I mean I've, I I did say I trained with the university students on Tuesday and I was undefeated um half court mind but I was undefeated. So I'm like, still got it a little bit. <laughs> but no, I don't think, oh God, I would love to. Maybe if there was, if I was tempted with like a, a big payout at the end, I'd definitely <laughs> give it a go. But um, the amount of money that that I'd have to invest in it, I, I don't think I'd get a sponsorship. <laughs> as far as, we touched a little bit on um, the Commonwealth Games and that being why you quit. What's your answer to people when they ask you why you quit? Um, multiple reasons. Um, and that's what I usually lead with because then they're a bit like, oh, okay, this could be a long answer. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I say multiple reasons and it is because of multiple reasons. One, I, I got an injury that I was unfunded. So I didn't have the support that I needed to get it sorted, which then it impacted my performance, which then ultimately meant that I didn't get selected for the Commonwealth. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, have I got another three to four years to give up of my life still, potentially being unfunded um, to go forward? And I just, yeah. And as well, I started to 
I wasn't enjoying it as much as I was before, just because of all the pressures and the financial difficulties. It was becoming a very expensive hobby, basically. <laughs> um, that's the short answer. <laughs> if you could, if you now could walk into, I don't know where you were, the, the changing room, where you were when you found out that you weren't selected, if you had a minute to sit down with that Fontaine right now, what would you say to her? Um, don't worry, because your life will change for the best anyway. Um, I will still get, you'll still get so many more amazing experiences and you will get a daughter out of it um, at the end of it. If I, if I hadn't have retired when I did, would I now have my nearly two-year-old? I don't know, probably not, because I'd probably still be chasing that dream. Um, so, yeah, so I would say just trust the process. It will be OK. Um, it'll be hard, but it'll be OK. <laughs> I love that. A few more lighthearted questions now. Yeah. If you could transfer into a winter sport, what would it be? Oh, oh, my God. Do you know what? I actually I taught a fitness class online the other day and I was wearing this long sleeve white top and I was like, I look like I'm going to the Winter Olympics. Like, could I be a skier? But no, absolutely not. My knees would not like me to be a skier. Um, I would love, in my mind, I'm like ice skating, like figure skating, just like dance. And yeah, I just love that outfits. Like, I'm, yeah, that. Bit of personality <laughs> as well. Yeah, bit of showmanship. <laughs> now, one thing that I've, I'd like to ask kind of all of my guests just to kind yeah. of keep the keep the show running now you know kind of what the podcast is all about who would you like to see on the podcast and who do you think has a good story to to tell in the sports world oh that is a good one do you know I would love to to hear more from like the divers or their gymnasts I mean yeah I think so the long distance swimmers they don't get enough rep I mean the amount of lengths that they have to do in that pool oh my gosh we go through so much and we've all got such like even when I speak to other athletes I'm like oh my god that's amazing <laughs> um, I just think yeah anybody that isn't in that limelight I think is a great um great person to great people to speak to amazing Fontaine thank you so much for speaking to me on You're from welcome. the commentary box Thank you absolutely having loved having you um and yeah and anyone who wants to carry on watching find other episodes or have a look at any behind the scenes head over to our socials at from the commentary box until next time bye